John Kime, when did you first start covering the NFL franchise in Washington, D.C.? 1994, Jeremy, a long time ago. Who is the owner? Jack Kent Cook. Thanks indeed. Now, there's a few things I'd like to have answered. Do we keep this? You do. Forever. Forever. This is ours. Second, you said we had the best uh, record in the NFC. My dear Pete, we've had the best record in the NFL. All right. Hail to the rest Flamboyant, charming, people liked working for him, even though they would swap many stories about what it was like to work for him. Not all of them pleasant, Mm. but they stuck around, and they usually had success. During the time that Jack Kent Cook owned the team, how would you describe the way it fared on the field? I came in several years after they had last won a Super Bowl after the 91 season. They kind of went from a couple tough years and then climbed their way back up to mediocrity and were always kind of like they are now, a quarterback away. So for a couple of years, it was a process of climbing back to the spot that they occupied for about two decades. As the owner, Jack Kent Cook saw the team win three Super Bowls, right? Right. Yeah. Played in four uh, and won three. So appeared in more Super Bowls than Jerry Jones's Cowboys. Yes, and I'm sure he would be happy that you said that. And I think every fan in Washington would be happy that you said that. When Dan Snyder bought the team in 1999, what do you remember at that time about the reaction to his taking ownership of this storied franchise? Well, I think a lot of it centered around the fact that he was young, aggressive, and had a lot of money. And so I think that excited people that maybe something good could happen. I do know that there were people in the organization at the time that had some concerns. And I think those concerns played out in in a big way. But the NFL owners, they unanimously voted him in. And they were very upbeat about what he could do. And I think the fan base had a level of optimism as well. And part of that was because He was a fan. Correct. He was one of them. He grew up rooting for the Washington Redskins, and so he was one of them who rose up to buy the team they all loved. Well, the first thing we're going to do is uh, figure out exactly what we've got and then uh, proceed forward from there. But uh, we're excited. It's a big, big uh, lifetime dream for me. But, John, now that dream is over, NFL owners expected today to approve the sale of the team, ending Dan Snyder's tenure as the commander's owner. And when we think about his legacy, um, we think about failure. That's what defines it, right? That's part of the legacy is where this franchise has fallen under him. And I think the lack of success, the the constant off-field issues, those are all part of the legacy. And it helped to erode the fan base that had been one of the NFL's most passionate. When NFL owners vote to ratify the sale of the Washington Commanders today to Josh Harris, it will mark the end of nearly a quarter century of subpar stewardship of one of the league's most storied franchises. Because not only did owner Dan Snyder fail to deliver success on the field, off the field, his tenure was marked by scandal, embarrassment, 
and toxicity. To say nothing of driving away one of the NFL's proudest fan bases. So today, as those fans prepare to meet the new boss, whom they're praying is anything but the same as the old boss, John Kime tells us how it all went so wrong during the Snyder years and what hope now looks like in Washington. I'm Jeremy Schapp. It's Thursday, July 20th. This is ESPN Daily. Delicious meat, nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot. Taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is, not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. So, John, how are we going to remember the Dan Snyder era? Well, I think a lot of people aren't going to want to remember the Dan Snyder era because it's just been a brutal exercise in frustration for many, many people. Under him, the franchise fell. They were one of the, the model franchises of the NFL. The fan base was as passionate as they come in the NFL. They had success. The Redskins are the world champions. Once again, the final score of Super Bowl 26 is Washington 37, Buffalo 24. You know, they didn't have success under Snyder. Last playoff win was 2005. That is six in a row for Joe Gibbs and the Washington Redskins. The final score, the Redskins 17, the Bucks 10. We'll be back to Tampa after this. The fan base went from filling the stadium, having a wait list for season tickets, to not showing up. A couple years ago, Jeremy, on the opening game, it was 2018, and I remember um, someone in their communications department, we'd had these conversations the year before about how, like, this place needs to win back trust the fans. And he looked at me and goes, you're right. You've been covering this franchise for nearly 30 years. You've been there through, well, I guess we could only say the lows and the lows. There have not been any <laughs> highs to speak of. Maybe there's a causal relationship. There, I, we, we there's some in that. there somewhere. Right. A, a game here or there. So how did it all go so spectacularly wrong for so long under Dan Snyder. Oh boy, Jeremy, where do we begin on this one? I'm gonna go all the way back to the beginning because I think you set the tone for an ownership when you first come in. He came in as the hard-charging guy, had all the answers, and wanted to be really aggressive. We're honored to carry on the tradition that was created by uh, Jack Kent Cook. They created a tremendous franchise and, and really 
for us at this point, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. This is a dream come true, and uh, we're going to carry on that uh, tradition. But I don't think he knew what he was doing to achieve the success that you needed to. So you look at those early days and the, the number of missteps. So they win the division in 1999 with a really good season by Brad Johnson at quarterback. Well, then he goes out and signs Jeff George because somebody had told him, you need a quarterback with strong arm. There were football people for, for a year and a half that kept telling him, no, he's not the guy for us. But yet he ignored that because someone else who didn't work in the front office had told him, you needed to get this guy. Any big name that became available, you'd read these stories. Source close to the situation says the Redskins are interested in this player and Barry Sanders, he's going to retire he wanted to go get him. Like, and it was the demands he put on. To me, it was about the mindset. It was about the lack of like, how is it that you want to operate as a franchise? And then it was who you're surrounding yourself with. And you could see there were cracks in the armor, just like with some of the higher executives that maybe he hired. So all those things were there in the beginning, but you kept seeing those same mistakes play out. He injected himself into many quarterback decisions over the years about who to pursue and when and what to give up for whatever, always injecting himself. And then it's the way you would hear the stories about how he treated the employees. That stuff really comes back to bite you. And Jeremy, people would always say like, why are there so many leaks in Washington? It's like, because you create a lot of frustrated, angry employees. That's why. And you're not paying them enough to be that angry and frustrated. So those signs were always there. It was just a matter of, would he ever get lightning in a bottle and, or maybe learn to become better? And that just didn't happen. Strictly on the field, John, 24 seasons as owner, what did the team achieve? <laughs> that might be the toughest question of all. I don't think I have an answer for that because the last playoff win they had was in 2005. So there were blips of excitement. The 2012 season with Robert Griffin III was as exciting. That seven-game stretch at the end of the season, they won all seven, and he becomes a rookie of the year, and he captures the fancy of everybody. Play action. Griffin over the middle. He's got Garcon. And Pierre Garcon has got room to go. Garcon, touchdown. No flag. That was as exciting a season that I've covered in my time here. But there was really nothing that you can look back on and say, where well, this run, this three-year run really um, was fun, but it didn't exist. How many playoff games did they win with Dan Snyder as owner? Two. They were two and six under him. So we are talking about a franchise with incredible resources with an incredibly dedicated fan base. And of course, that doesn't always translate to success on the field. And, and you could argue that they are completely unrelated. But this is a team that has this history of success and, and this passionate fan buys the team. He owns it for a quarter century. And it's all but unrelenting failure. Yeah. The fan base went down. The attendance and, and the passion around it, the TV, local TV ratings all went down, especially over the last five or six years. That's really when you start to see a massive decline. There were flashes. Like they he hired Joe Gibbs back 
And that four-year period now looks like a dynasty. But even during that time, two playoff runs and then two seasons where they lost double-digit games. And you had accomplished coaches here, Mike Shanahan, accomplished coach, Joe Gibbs, accomplished coach, Ron Rivera, especially with Gibbs and Shanahan, who are Gibbs, a Hall of Famer, Shanahan right there. They all have sub-500 records working here under Snyder. The chances that you had to maybe build some foundation for success were lost like that because you wanted more power. You wanted this or this guy didn't like this guy. And so you made these changes. And so those are, it prevented that kind of success. For so many years, John, Daniel Snyder was intransigent. He entirely refused to even entertain the idea of changing the name this offensive slur against Native Americans. But ultimately, he did change it. What what did his position on the name issue, what did it say about Dan Snyder? Initially, people would point to the arrogance of it and just telling USA Today, and you can put it in all caps, I'll never change the name. According to team owner Dan Snyder, in an interview with USA Today, Snyder says, quote, we'll never change the name. It's that simple. Never. You can use caps. And they were dug in on not doing that. They would do their own research. They would go to reservations, Native American reservations, and come back with their own surveys or quotes or whatever from people saying, hey, we want this name. During that whole process, you talk to some Native American leaders, like they wanted to change, period, because they viewed it as a slur. We needed to get rid of the Redskins first and we stood up against them in this city first. There are many more teams that we have left to go. That's right. But it goes far beyond sports teams and mascots. I do wonder though, Jeremy, how it would have played out with sponsors because I think Snyder, he was easy to dislike for a lot of people. And sponsors take notice of things and when it starts to affect their bottom line, they're going to pull out. And that's what started to happen whether that was because of Snyder or because of name issue and where we were at a society during that, that spring and summer, all of that I think is connected. But I think it revealed a few things about him, starting with, with really the arrogance over just how he would state things. And then that same summer, we're talking about the summer of 2020, there is a series of reports in the Washington Post with details about this toxic workplace atmosphere. Breaking news on Congress's investigation of Dan Snyder, the Washington Commanders, and its toxic work environment. The House Committee on Oversight and Reform just released its report saying that the NFL and the Commanders covered up decades of sexual misconduct. And from that point on, it seemed as if there was just scandal after accusation after scandal after accusation for the last three years. What was it like reporting on that In the summer of 2020, there was a point where I think I went almost three months without a day off, literally, working straight. And I remember going on SportsCenter one time and they asked me the same question. This is in like late July or something, 2020. What was it like? And my comment at the time was, it was like being in a Jason Bourne movie where you're speeding 100 miles down one street and then you swerve and go 100 miles down another street. And so much has happened after that point where I'm like, oh my goodness, this is the longest Jason Bourne movie I've ever been in because it was one thing after another. So you go from the investigation, then you have like even that year in 2020, it was also, if you people remember, 
Ron Rivera announces he has cancer. Alex Smith makes this miraculous comeback. The Alex Smith story is the number one story for any other franchise that year, but this one, it may have been fourth mm-hmm. because of all the other things that were going on. And the, you know, you change the name, what's the name gonna be? You have the investigation concluding, the announcement at the fine, the suspension that's not called a suspension. Then the DEA gets involved in October and raids the facility. You have the emails released about Gruden. That leads to Congress getting involved. It's been one thing after another. And I wrote this timeline for ESPN.com that appeared a couple months ago, just a timeline of Dan Snyder's tenure, all the things that happened. You look at like from 2020 on, it's just incredible. And last year, it was almost every week there was something big coming out. So there are all these investigations. There's the Wilkinson investigation. There's the Mary Jo White, the governmental investigations. It's just scandal after accusation, after lawsuit, on and on and on. And yet we were discussing here on the podcast a couple of weeks ago with Don Van Natta. It seemed Dan Snyder as owner might survive all of it. So what happened? Why is he out? That is, that's the, I guess, $6.05 billion question. And when you talk to people, I remember I asked somebody this question, somebody who knows a lot about the situation in the wintertime, and he kind of went back to October last fall. So Jim Irsay comes out at the owners' meetings in New York and says there may be some merit to removing him as an owner. It's something that I think serious consideration has to be given to the removal, and we have complete authority to do that. Right after that, they come, the Snyders come out and say, we're not selling. Release a statement saying, we're not selling. Two weeks later, they release a statement saying they're at least exploring a transaction, which means they're looking to sell some or all the team. In that two-week period, what goes on? One, you brought Don Van Natta, Seth Wickersham, and Tisha Thompson, and I played a very small role in this story. Those three did a tremendous job looking to a lot of the issues that were going on here with Snyder. It revealed so many things about him that he couldn't recover from, but that it was another thing like, this stuff is never gonna go away for him. He can't escape it. The family can't escape it. Then the other parts of it too, Jeremy, financial. He wasn't gonna get a stadium built here. His name had become so toxic among the local populace that people didn't want to do business with him. The politicians really didn't want to do business business with him. And it just became too difficult. And you talk to people there now, they, they, they would say he was a hindrance to any stadium talks. He has, I think it's over a billion dollars in debt, I believe. The way for him to get out of that and to get back in the other owner's good graces was to build a stadium. It was clear that that wasn't going to happen. So I think all of that, all that stuff adds up but nobody's talked to Dan Snyder, and I'm not sure they ever will. He buys the team for $800 million and he's selling it for $6 billion. <laughs> That tells you a lot about the NFL, yeah, right? Yeah, cha-ching. Now, having said that, he did not want to give this up. And Tanya Snyder, a couple years ago, talked about how this team was their family's legacy. I remember talking to people... When all this stuff started happening in 2020, 
do you think he'd ever sell? I'm like, no way will he ever sell because this is too much a part of who he is. And that and the legacy, you know, he's now living overseas because I don't think, I think it'd be too tough for him to be here. So yeah, he's getting the billions, but he lost what maybe mattered, uh, one of the things that mattered the most to him. It feels like Commander's fans, their patience though at this point, it might be exhausted, right? Oh, <laughs> I think just the fact that Dan Snyder is out automatically gives them a level of hope that they haven't had because the hope before was always, well, the same owner is still there. I've seen the reaction from fans in the D.C. area. Dan Snyder's a really atrocious human being, very happy that he'll be out of our lives. Hopefully it puts the commanders on a new path. There's bars in the D.C. area selling um, that have sell the team Dan beers. There's a sports station there is having a big party Thursday night down at Nats Park, and they have these T-shirts called Burgundy and Soul. There is a level of excitement that is just different because they just got too tired of rooting for not just a team that wasn't winning, but a team that wasn't winning and causing embarrassment to you. Like you want to have mm -hmm. some level of pride in what you're rooting for that, that it's a good organization. And that's something they couldn't really say. I think for some fans, they feel like they can root for the team again. Coming up, the commanders and their fans welcome the new boss, and they're praying he's nothing like the old boss. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you people wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first one or for your fashionista mom who likes to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate with them both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to say 100 bucks and below. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything or even pre-wrapped gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So, what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th, and it'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home some huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply so john the sale of the team expected to go through today 
although nothing's ever 100%. All signs are pointing to this deal being completed, Josh Harris being approved and his group as the new owners of the Washington Commanders beyond owning the 76ers and the Devils. What can you tell us about Josh Harris? Well, he built he built his wealth with he started the Apollo management firm. They they would buy distressed assets. Ha. <laughs> that's where he built his value and that's exactly what he's doing here. He was a former college wrestler and when you talk to people they they will tell you that he's a very competitive person. He's an involved owner, but he's not a hands-on owner. And when you talk to them those they'll tell you that he asks you questions. He wants to make sure you have the answers. And if you have the answers, he's going to let you do what you want to do. If you can't give him the answers, you better go find him for him. Otherwise, then you're going to get more questions. With Harris, like Snyder, he's a local. So he grew up in this area. I think that helps because you can understand the mindset of what the fan base has been through. But more importantly, unlike Snyder, he has experience as a professional sports owner. He owns the 76ers. He's, you know, owns the New Jersey Devils. Everybody has told me for months that Harris is going to come in and be very patient about assessing what he has. So you give him the season to see what changes do you need to make in the business side? What changes, if any, do you need to make on the football side? See how people operate, taking the patient approach. And, you know, there was always a talk about the process in Philly. And that, I think there's that patience that comes along with that. But I think it's I think that will probably lend itself to a more successful tenure. Who else is in the group? There, are, there's 20 limited partners now. Also in the group, Irvin Magic Johnson. He's one of the limited partners. Mitchell Rails, who is a billionaire from D.C. Mark Ein, who is a local uh, businessman in D.C. worth millions, owns a professional tennis team, the Washington Castles in town. Done a lot of business in D.C. So I think he's a guy that when you're looking at who can also help them go find a stadium, it's a guy that knows all these people in D.C. But there's 20 limited partners, but those are some of the main ones. And we mentioned that this is expected to be approved. They've been vetting the group now for a while. This hasn't popped up overnight, but there have been occasions, of course, in NFL history when the owners have said no, they've not approved ownership applications. So how will it work today? How, how does the process actually have to play out? Well, the meeting will take place around, I believe, one o'clock central time. And I don't anticipate any issues here because they all want to move on from Dan Snyder in a big, bad way. And they've spent the last several weeks cleaning up the Harris Group offer because they had they wanted him to get in compliance with NFL guidelines for the offer. And as long as that was in place, there won't be any problems. So what has to happen, Jeremy, is 24 of the 32 owners have to vote in favor of this sale. I'm going to bet that it's going to be unanimous. These guys want to move on. They want somebody new in there. And I think they have a lot of respect for Josh Harris. Well, what about any 11th hour complications? I don't see any. Nobody that I've talked to has really felt like there would be any. I know there was rumblings of indemnification issues with Snyder and his sister and signing off on things. Which means there are all these lawsuits against the team. And if Josh Harris buys the team, 
typically you become responsible for its legal liabilities. And that was never going to happen with the Harris Group. Where their indemnification would come into play would be just like if you buy a house. And this is how it was explained to me two months ago. Like when you buy a house, and I say this from experience, if your heating and air conditioning breaks down a week after buying it and moving in, you're on the hook for it. The seller is off the hook. So if they buy the facility and the sprinkler system goes out, the Harris Group has to pay for it. There was never a chance that the Harris Group would, would absorb the legal bills from before. That even after that stuff came out, Jeremy, the people I would talk to, they all were like, it's going to happen. Mm. They're not expecting any snags moving forward um, that would prevent the vote from taking place on Thursday. So ultimately, John, Josh Harris is coming into this situation where he has to clean up what amounts to a 24-year mess and a culture change has to be affected. What's at the top of his to-do list? First of all is enhancing the revenue streams because you need to get more money coming into that organization. One way you can help rebuild the culture is to keep good people. So the more revenue that comes in, the more you can boost the salaries and create a different atmosphere among the workers. Get people who want to be there and are happy to be there. Jason Wright, their team president, has said that they believe as soon as Snyder's out, like you're going to see more sponsorships coming back. Anheuser-Busch pulled out, I think it was a year and a half ago. And at the time, they didn't say it was because of Snyder. But that's what you'd hear later, that, that it was a big part of it. And then finally... Along with that is finding a new site for the stadium. That's the next big, big thing that they really have to get done. But that you may not like, they may not announce that site for until like late May, early June next year, after they've had a chance to assess each of the Virginia, Maryland, DC, what they all have to offer, where they might be able to go. That's a big one because then that creates your legacy and that also creates possibly a, a healthier organization. And then along with that is you're going to probably build a new practice facility somewhere. That's something you can immediately do within the next couple of years to help provide these players with a better situation, one that they're more accustomed to, whether it's with other teams or from colleges. Assuming, John, that the new ownership group avoids controversy and scandal and all those things that you've been accustomed to covering for the last several years. How are you going to uh, adjust to this new reality where you're, where you're covering football again? I hope to find out how I adjust because it's been, and let me, one other thing on the whole priority, win back the trust of the fans. They've got to do that. But I hope to find out. How about win back John Kime after all Win back time. me. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Listen, I think, I'm looking forward to maybe going on a bike ride and not checking my phone every <laughs> 10 minutes. I'm afraid to go golfing for fear of <laughs> what might happen. Anybody on this beat can tell you the same horror stories about what it's been like. And so, yes, my love of covering football is digging into football talk. Like, who doesn't want that? Going to games in December where the focus isn't on, you know, this guy's a jerk, this guy's that. It's on 
this is a big game. What does this team need to do to beat that team? That's what you want to do. That's why you got in this business. You know, you have to navigate different worlds and that can be interesting as a reporter, but it does get exhausting. And I think, you know, my wife could tell you very well how exhausting and how stressful it is. But, you know, I hope to find out what it's like to cover something that's normal. Well, we wish you the best of luck with that, John. (laughs) Thank you, sir. I appreciate that, Jeremy. Great talking to you. I'm Jeremy Schapp. This has been ESPN Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow.